1: seven thanks for reaching out to me on twitter you're a rapper i'm really interested to hear your story coming out of jacksonville florida That's so right. welcome to mind shift podcast man thank you so much for having me brother i'm honored to be here for real to be honest, yeah. honest, honest, honest so i looked at your website you got some amazing stuff out there you got an album i guess it's just about to come out Is yes it's right? coming out tonight at midnight oh really just yeah. tonight convenient timing absolutely So, what's your backstory though? Because you mentioned in your Twitter messages, we were talking the other day, you came out of kind of like a fundamentalist Bible cult background. What's your background? Man, so
0: uh, I grew up, uh, my mom was heavily into the Baptist church.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so I grew up Southern Baptist, wooden floor, hand clapping, toe (laughs) tapping. Stay out the church for a long time. Like my mom forced me to go to Sunday school, regular church, and afterwards, there would be meetings and board meetings and usher meetings, and we had to just—it was the whole day. Um, and so I—I I, I grew up almost in a sense of understanding. Like my mom has a has a picture in her home that said, "Ask for me in my house, we will serve the Lord." Like there's no
1: no question.
0: No question. It's based on that verse in Joshua. So with my dad being absent, I I always wanted to make my mom proud. I wanted her to be proud of me. I wanted her to love me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that one of those ways, I better make sure that I I believe in God. Um, And so I was early on, I was introduced to God and taught about him. I was taught about hell. That terrified me as a kid. Like to think like, you know, my mom told me when you turn when you turn 12, your sins fall on you now, and right now oh. when you're when you're not twelve, they fall on me. I'm responsible for your sins, but at twelve, then you're responsible and I'm like so i'm hell I'm heldible
1: when you <laughs> hit that magic number,
0: yeah, I'm like, but I don't want to turn twelve, like God <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> Can I die at
1: eleven? Like, you know what I mean. Stave it off as long as possible,
0: man. I don't want to turn twelve. And so she was like, "Well, you know, you you never know, because you know, uh, Jesus, Jesus is coming back one day, and when he comes back, the moon is gonna turn to blood, and it's gonna rain fire from the sky, and you know, locusts are gonna be big, and they're gonna go around eating people." And I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Bro, what? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: I serious trauma." Man, I need to find out what do I need to do to appease this guy?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, what can I do to make sure I'm on his good side? And so I have all the children's Bibles, man. I used to read it. I love, I was reading when I was three and I love reading. And so four or five years old, I would read through the entire children's Bible, man. And, um, um, and just learn everything. I know about Joseph. I know about Daniel. I know about Noah. I know about, I know all mm-hmm. of the books all of the Bible, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zachariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Homer, like, oh, yeah. I, I know, know them. I, uh, Bible, Bible summer camps, the Bible sword drills. Turn to Psalm 37.2. The fastest person gets a piece of candy. Like, I'm always there. Psalm 37.2. I will worship the Lord with my whole heart. Like I'm like, just there. You know what I'm saying? You were all in. I'm all in, bro. And so (laughs) I I, I strayed away from that in my teenage years. And I started doing music that was reflective of the environment that I was in. And eventually that music turned back into full-blown gospel. And I was a full-blown gospel artist. Me serving and going to different churches, I caught the attention of the number six fastest growing church in the United States of America. Hmm. This is a predominantly white organization um ran by self-professed. I'm not calling him this. He calls himself this, a redneck from South oh, Carolina. Nice.
1: Yes. You ended um, up there. I, How did you so end I, up there, man? This I gotta so, hear. Yeah, so
0: I ended up there, and man, this is so embarrassing, bro. But I grew up in the I grew up in the black church. Um mm-hmm. the black church is a staple in my society. It is the black churches who liberated us from slavery, the black churches who gave us a safe space to to learn about God and fed us, all that kind of stuff. And I was I was doing great. I was at the oldest, the most historic Black church in Jacksonville. I was a member there. And I got a hold of a book that taught me about Calvinism and Reformed theology. Oh, yeah. And man, you want to talk about cage stage? I was literally like super cage stage i'm like oh my gosh how come my pastor and my church has never talked to me about unconditional election Mm. how come he doesn't get up there and preach about limited atonement and perseverance of the saints how come he doesn't talk about irresistible grace like hold on he's talking about god fixing your situations and god giving you money for your bills when that's prosperity that's the that's heresy. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in Galatians one, let them be anathema, so he's accursed. The real gospel is that Jesus chose us before the foundation of the world, set his sights on us, went and died for us specifically, just his sheep. And then one day he's gonna redeem. And like I came and so I started to like vilify the black church. I was like, "Oh, it's just steeped in emotionalism. There's no theological depth to them. They have no richness." And so I turned my back on them, and I went to—I wasn't looking for a white church. I was looking for a right church, and it just so happened all the right churches just so happened to be white churches.
1: Oh yeah, and so I figured out.
0: Yes, I was like, I got it now. i this, and I had told my my wife. I said, "This is it." Like we are at the place where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. Their theology is right. They love the Lord. And so I, I just began to serve there and I experienced racism just with me serving there Were you on staff there? after. No, I was just serving. Like that's you what just they call member, Just a member serving <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. free
0: labor that they will use people for that. They still do. And so I was serving there. And one day I was leaving from out of the back where I teach the kids and my wife is doing the check-in for the kids that go in the back. And a lady turns to... I wink at my wife, like, as I'm walking by, and she, like, rolls her eyes. And the lady says to my wife, who's also a service dad, she was like, I can't believe we let those kind of people in the church. And my wife is like, excuse me? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know black people? Oh, no. And my wife is like, okay, number one, I'm black. <laughs> yeah, what about me? Like, <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> do you... Can you not? You're not seeing. My this. wife, she's not ambiguous. Like she has dreads. Right. We're like the same complexion. Like there's no. If you see her, you're not, not missing. You're not she's missing
1: this. this. She's yeah.
0: black. She, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right.
1: And so and
0: so she. Uh, my wife was like, and number two, like that's my husband. Like he's probably teaching your kids about the gospel. Like he and the lady's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Like um, I was just saying, like because his pants were sagging. Um, and, oh, least, no. you know, and I'm like, and she's like, but what does that have to do with anything? Like I, I wear my pants, how I wear my pants. And that's the culture I come from. I'm yeah, not going to pull a style. My pants. You know, that's, yeah. that's my style. And so yeah, that was just me serving. And, um, we looked at that as a one-off, like, oh, that one person doesn't represent this church. Um, I was offered a position on staff. I never filled out an application. I never asked to work there. I never desired to work there. Um, but my pastor told me, asked me one Sunday, he said, Hey man, how do you feel? If we want you to be a part of our team. You know, how do you like your job? that you work at now? I'm like, I love my job. I worked in the hood, like where I grew up at the elementary school that I, that I went to as a kid. I was back there serving the kids as the after school project manager. I loved it. I'm like, I love my job. And he was like, well, we want you on our team. And I was like, uh, I don't know, man. And he said, well, go pray about it. And when God says yes,
1: let me know. Okay, it's an open and shut case. Yeah, you're gonna wait, say yes, obviously. Bro, right, I no manipulation have no, at all.
0: <laughs> bro, I have no choice. This is my this is my pastor who I view as the voice of God. He's already telling me this is the foregone conclusion. Yes, you have right. to come work here. And so I, I I accepted the position with a lot of apprehension and hesitancy. And man, um from there I want on to ride. Um, three worst years of my life. I've never is the most traumatic situation that I've ever experienced in my life was being on staff there. And this, this
1: is the Rednecks Pastor Church. Let me get this straight, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Just some, I'm getting the story straight. Number six fastest growing church in the
0: United States of America, according to some magazine publication. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's I mean, exploding. The place is blowing up, bro. We're yeah. talking
0: fifteen thousand people strong with over six campuses. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And these Mm -hmm. are not – and the people that are attending are not just run-of-the-mill, side-of-the-road people. These are, like, millionaires, football players, Tim Mm -hmm. Tebow,
1: like, attends. Big names, big deep pockets, yeah.
0: Deep pockets.
1: Yeah. So they got a lot of money. Man. (laughs) (laughs) They're rolling it. A lot.
0: A lot isn't strong enough. They have buku cool money, like okay, y'all like super wealthy, super rich, and I just naively and gullibly went in thinking because th- their motto is that we're a movement for all people to learn about Jesus, mm-hmm. and I went in believing it. I believe what it was written on paper, and it took it took for me to realize that that woman who said that thing to my wife about can't believe we let black people in this church was not a one-off. It is literally the culture that Mm -hmm. is there. It's just the culture.
1: So it wasn't an outlier. It was actually part of the, is baked into the DNA of the thing. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like they brought you on to be like the black person on staff. Is that what was basically going on? They're saying we're, look how, look how racially culturally diverse we are. We've got a black guy on our staff we're doing yep. so well representing the love of jesus <laughs>
0: and it's and is like a black guy who believes exactly how we believe
1: right you got the theology and, down pat and everything
0: So I'm, I'm a unicorn like they would sit down and hear me talk when we would do staff meetings or we would do lunches and their mouths would be dropped like wow you're really quoting david platt wow you're really quoting charles spurgeon like, you know Spurgeon? You, you read Tozer? Yeah, yeah, I read Tozer. I read his work. And it's like, wow. like, And I'm Shocking. like, hey, so... And I'm like, guys, so when I was reading Systematic Theology by Wayne Gruden, my favorite part was like, when... And they're like, like, you read... Like, <laughs> yeah, And so for them, it was like, he's one of us just with different pigment. This is great. And he's talented. So he right. can do the spoken words. He can rap on stage. Like, we can... We can put him up on stage. We can put him on the videos. We can put him on like he's now our,
1: you know, your token black guy.
0: That's, and he that's what you were exactly how we believe.
1: And I did, man. And so, yeah, it's a win-win from their point of view. Win-win, bro. Wow. So you're yeah. on staff at this redneck pastor's church, but you don't realize, is this the point you don't realize you're being used by no, the, you're You're loving it at this point.
0: Not at all. I got a a song on my CD called "Joseph and His Coat of Many Colors," Mm -hmm. and it's based off the Bible story, but it's also pointing to how um, the pastors were able to show different colors to different people. You can show your your role of this to me coming in because of how much of an asset and a benefit I would be to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, I had I had no clue coming in. It took maybe three weeks to maybe a month and a half for me to realize something was off I would walk into the because I was on the student team I was the youth minister I would walk into the meetings and then the youth one of my, my co-workers would be like hey come on in man you know black people are always late or like and this is all white I'm the only black person on staff
1: yeah I was gonna say how many what how many black people are in the church you're the only yeah zero a big on beauty. staff
0: on staff there's zero black people that are actually attending at the time maybe
1: 3 in the church this is a in mega mega church, church.
0: In so a It's mega white
1: bread all the way down the line white mm. white right. white Okay. It's either and and
0: not and it's not just regular like like white it is white wealthy or yeah. high upper, upper middle upper,
1: class yeah
0: white you know what i'm saying yep. so yep I mean, those comments, those jokes began to be said to me frequently and rampantly. It was like, um, we'll be at an all-style lunch, and one of my coworkers would say, like, "Um, hey, wait, come over here. We got the chicken. I know you're going to like some chicken and watermelon. And I'm like, bro, the fuck, like. Really? You know, and and so at the time, because when I tell this stuff, people, like, hey, how come you didn't speak out sooner? How come you didn't go? There was no HR department. They just hired an HR department because of the situation that unfolded with me mm-hmm. when I left. But initially there's no HR and I'm the only black person in this all this staff of white people. I don't wanna like look like I'm not a team player or I'm not mm-hmm. or I'm not I can't take a joke. So it's like I just kinda like winced and laughed and you know what I'm saying, but yeah, kinda roll with it. Yeah, it took too, it took a lot off of me eventually. Man. Man.
1: It's taking yeah. a little piece out of you every time, though, isn't it? Every day. Maybe maybe each one isn't so bad, but then when you add it all up, that's that's a lot, man. Especially the systemic racism, isn't it? Basically, it's baked into the culture, the DNA of the place. So yes. you're, you're bearing the brunt of this, yes. basically, systemic racism. How long did it take you to finally get the hell out of there? Three years. Right. It took that long to work your way out? It was bad, man. And,
0: like, I remember... My third year, I remember sitting in my car um, behind the church and called my wife and she asked me what was wrong because she could see I had tears in my eyes and there was something that had happened. And I remember telling my wife, I don't think our pastor can be my pastor. I don't think he's equipped to shepherd me. He's not equipped to shepherd a black family. He's not. And it had me in tears because of how much I love him had me in tears because of how much I felt like this was my family how much I felt like this place was my home and that was that was huge for me and and I remember telling my my youth pastor who's over me the lead youth pastor he's over all the student ministry I told him that I'm like hey I don't think such and such can be my pastor and they did not take that like what do you mean like he's a great man and this that and the third and so I kind of like just swallowed it but eventually what was the the final straw was um, the pastor's bodyguard said to me at an all-staff meeting, uh, he he made a joke out loud to everyone. And when I tell you this joke, you're going to be like, I don't get it. He's like, hey, everybody, did y'all know that seven is black? Room full of white people, maybe a few black people that they had invited to come do worship for this day. And I kind of like, was like, okay. And he said it again louder. And then he proceeded to tell a joke to the guy sitting next to him. He's like, hey, man, don't you have one of those little black kids that you adopted? And tell tell everybody the joke about how like when you show people your your uh your family photo they say oh that's not your kid it's a little black kid (laughs) and he's like hey can seven even hear me because I had one of my headphones in I took it out and I said hey bro that shit ain't fucking funny to me bro like it's not funny to me and he's just standing sitting there like and I got my stuff and I walked out bro and that was my last day there so to speak. I went back one time after that because one of my students died in the crisis, and his mom wanted me to do the funeral. And I came and spoke at the funeral. But other than that, that was my last time being there. Like my body gives off a physiological response to me even thinking about going on the campus. And so, Weird triggering, uh, isn't it? Yeah, Weird oh triggering. god, god, everything about it is triggering. They, the yeah. Bible is triggering. Christian lingo and jargon is triggering. Certain song, like all worship songs, if it's not like Black Church. But like those acoustic hill song Bethel yep. type, they are mega. I don't want to hear it. And so, man, they, they, they started my unraveling
1: mm-hmm. of my
0: faith. Like they unravelled my a faith that I've been in for over twenty plus years. I started to say, I'm walking away from this. Mm-hmm. I'm walking away. I I got a chance to see firsthand. I got a chance to see with my pastor would say, hey, we don't speak out about certain things. We're just going to preach the gospel. Here, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus came down to earth, incarnate, fully God, fully man, hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man, died on the cross, propitiation for our sins. He is the uh, penal substitutionary atonement for our sins. Mm -hmm. He absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. And if you believe in his resurrection, his bodily resurrection, then you shall be saved, period. That's the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, this same church also broke up a gay couple and made a video about it and told the gay girl, y'all can't be together. I can't marry y'all because that's. And it's like I started to question myself, well, how come that's how come we don't just preach the gospel about that? You know my pastor was super quiet when Alton Sterling got killed. Super quiet when Stephon Clark got killed. Super quiet when Philando Castile got killed. And I was like, well, so God does not care about that. He doesn't care about unarmed black men getting killed by cops. Mm-hmm. But God is ardent about who you have sex with, if you're a guy and you're and the other guy. <laughs> or if that's a girl, she's a girl. Like, God is He's up out of his throne. Like, hold on, hold on now. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are y'all? Hold on. I I know George Floyd just got his neck nailed on, but hold on. Are y'all kissing two girls? Like, this is important, man. I I was like, ah, that's, and it just made me start peeling back the layers of the white church in America, and it's like, oh no, no, no. What I'm experiencing isn't new. This is how it's always been. Like Mm -hmm. the pastors back in the day were slave owners. Yep some of the biggest proponents for segregation were white pastors Mm -hmm. and they, they, they sought to uphold that. And so that theology hasn't changed. And I tell everybody that the the lens that majority of white Americans see the Bible through are three things, misogyny, homophobia, and racism. That's the lens that the Mm -hmm. Bible is at through. So, Hey, abortion is bad. I am pro-life because a woman's body should like, I want to have the voice over what a woman does with her body, misogyny. But Mm. you, and don't kiss that girl if you're a girl, like homophobia. And it's like, well, black people get killed by the police because they need to comply. Mm. And they have scriptures to back up and and bolster this robust, popular theology. And it just made me say, you know what? People say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And people tell me all the time, like, well, seven, you just got to be able to separate the biblical gospel from the American gospel. And I say, well, guess where I grew up at? America. And there's yeah. nothing in the scripture that says in order for you to be saved, you must be able to separate the gospel from the, con- no, it, there, there's nothing that says that when you make Kool-Aid and you put water and sugar and a Kool-Aid packet in there and mix it up, there's no way to separate them again. Mm-hmm. This is the only context of God that I know is this American Version of God and man, I just I'm revolted. And I, this is my first time coming forth and talking about this publicly because by the time this dropped, my album would be out and then everybody would know. But this is what caused me to walk away from my faith, and I no longer consider myself a follower of Jesus.
1: Wow, that is an amazing story. I mean, you're obviously well, incredibly well versed in theology. You just dropped a bunch of names that you read, you know. So how did you square all that that you studied? Obviously, you spent lots of time reading and studying. These theologians from the past and all the rest of it. What about all this racism? Because I was just going to say, that would be the stock answer, wouldn't it? They'd say, look, it, it's not, it's an American thing. Okay. It's a systemically racist society. The whole <laughs> economy was built on slaves and exploiting land from the Native Americans. I mean, so. There you have it. That's that's the roots of American expansion and American yes. industrialism and all that. We've put that all behind us now, but obviously we haven't, you know? Hell no. <laughs> Not even close. Hell you experienced no. it in this, you know, white bread church. Yeah. When I think about all that I've read,
0: my favorite theologian is A.W. Pink. Mm-hmm. Um, loving. I read the attributes of God and it changed my life. And when I think about God, I lean on one of two sides, bro. One, what if he's not real? What if all Mm -hmm. of this is a farce, a facade? And I quickly wrestle with that, with the fact that I cannot account for the universe, even if I go down the the path of a Big Bang or evolution, which whatever you want to say, I still want to know like, well, what created the things that banged together? You know what I mean? So that is clouding me. The other hand is that he does exist. If he does exist... And I say this on my album and you support what that church did to my family and I, because it's way more sinister than I just dove into the things that they did after I left Mm -hmm. and you support them and that's who you are. I want nothing to do with you. So if that means an eternity in hell, from my human perspective, I don't think hell can be worse than the three years I spent with them. Hmm. I don't think anything is more worse than that. I would have rather been in fire and flames for three years than that experience what I experienced with them for three years. The the emotional Mm and mental from the the flames, at least I can see where it's coming from. and people would be able to tell, yeah, seven's on fire. This is a silent inner burning that I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, really speak on. And so I look at it from if he is real and he's on their side, which I believe he is, he's helping them, he's blessing them. They have more money. They're getting bigger buildings. They're expanding. God is on their side. God loves them. That's the case. I want nothing else to do with them.
1: When we return from the break, we're going to get into even more specifics. Some of the things that Seven really struggled with in terms of his own faith deconstruction. And then we're going to hear the second half of the story, how it ended, or at least where it's at currently, with him in this situation, with this church where he experienced shocking racism, or maybe I shouldn't say it was shocking. And I'm glad that he reached out to me because this is absolutely a perspective that people need to hear. Something like myself, I've never ever experienced racism or discrimination in my life as a white guy, never, ever, ever. And so to hear his story, it's very profound. And to think, oh, come on, this cannot happen in the church today, can it? Well, absolutely. It obviously happened to him and his family. And as I say, we're gonna hear even more of the story in the second half of the episode when we return. I just wanted to mention really quickly, a big thank you to the last two Patreon supporters of 2020. Diane Schilling Hooker and Josh Blood here at the end of the year as we look to wrap up 2020 and walk into the next year 2021 and I want to say too if you want to support the show on Patreon next year that would be a great time to do it maybe it's a new year's resolution help me out help cover my expenses the link to that as always is in the show notes and I also wanted to mention what's coming up in the next few episodes I've talked to Paul James Caden of the Mind's Eye Podcast. I was on his show a while ago. And so that episode's going to be dropping next. I've also got a really fantastic series that is already starting to shape up. I've already done a recording with Mark Potok. He used to work for the Southern Poverty Law Center for many, many years, several decades, in fact. And I'm going to be doing a series called Profiles of the Christian Right. I'm going to be looking at key individuals and key organizations on the Christian Right, really drilling down and focusing on some of the specifics around some of the key leaders in this movement. So Mark and I, we took a deep dive into Doug Wilson. I don't know if you've heard of Doug Wilson, but... He's a kind of a Reconstructionist, cult-like pastor. He's got a very strange empire that he's been building for many years up in Moscow, Idaho. And so we did a really interesting discussion about Doug Wilson, so look for that series coming out. I've also been talking with Catherine Stewart. She's of course the author of The Power Worshippers and The Good News Club. She's been on this show a couple of times. So Catherine and I are already in discussions about what topics we want to cover. For that episode, so I've got some really good stuff lined up. I just wanted to say too that speaking of Patreon, one of the benefits you get is you get to be a part of our closed MindShift podcast Facebook group, and in that group we have every month we have our closed MindShift Zoom calls. We've got two actually scheduled for the month of January. We've got Jared Yates Sexton of the Muckrake podcast dropping in on the 16th of January. And then we're also going to have Rebecca Drumsta, who was just on the show a few weeks ago, talking about her surviving a fundamentalist Bible cult upbringing and her work as a life coach and consultant. And I know that's going to be a really good discussion for the people in the group. So some fantastic stuff. Then in February, we've got Dean Krosetz of the People I Meet podcast. So I'm really looking forward to talking with Dean. Speaking of that, I was just on his show. So take a look at the People I Meet podcast. We just did a recording the other day. So that episode with me on the People I Meet podcast is going to be coming out, or maybe it'll be out by the time this episode drops. So if you want to hear that excellent conversation that Dean and I had, head over there and check that out. One other really cool development is on my YouTube channel, I've been talking with Peter Montgomery of the Right Wing Watch. We've already done one recording already. We're going to be doing these recordings at least once a month, and I think actually Mark Potok and I are going to do one in January as well. And basically that goes along with my series of podcasts on profiling the Christian right. So Peter Montgomery and I Every month we're going to be looking at new breaking stories specifically on the Christian right surrounding this issue of what's going on with Trumpism heading into 2021. Even though Trump won't be president anymore, certainly Trumpism isn't going away and the Christian right is going absolutely nowhere. So we're going to be keeping a very close eye on that. And as I say, Mark Potok is going to be dropping in as well. In fact, I'll talk to anybody. I'm hoping to get Catherine Stewart on some of those calls as well. So Look for those starting up again in January and then dropping at least once a month and possibly more, depending on who I can get to talk to me, basically. And speaking of which, one last thing I just wanted to say. If you want to subscribe to that channel, what I've been doing is I've been organizing my podcast into very helpful playlists or categories. So if you want to look specifically at key topics like religious trauma syndrome or deconstructing Christianity or LGBTQ and ex-evangelical issues, or Reconstructionism, Dominion Theology, The Christian Right, head over to my YouTube channel, subscribe to that, and you will not miss any of the new content that's coming out in 2021. So let's get on back into the chat with Seven. As I say, we're going to hear more about his own faith journey, as well as the story, at least the finalized version of it so far, and I'm sure there's going to be more the story as we come out one other thing i wanted to mention too is at the end of this episode i'm going to play a track for you that seven sent to me it is called church reject and the album is called sunday morning and it's morning as in m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g really powerful track so i hope you'll stick around at the end of the show and catch church rejects from seven's new album And
0: then the second part is like the people that reach out to me who are members of that church It's like, bro, do y'all even really believe the theology that y'all teach? Because the theology that y'all teach says that John chapter 10 says that if I'm in Jesus' hands, his hands are in the father's hands and nothing can pluck me out. Mm-hmm. So even if I walk away, I'm good because I'm eternally secure. That's what you would teach. Ephesians 4 says that I'm sealed to the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Right. So either I never had it, or or I can't get it. What else could I have done in order for God to love me? I baptized mm. kids in your name. I preached sermons in your name. People came to Jesus based off of my sermons that I preached. Youth preaching through me, or whatever theological words you mm-hmm. want to use. But people got saved. But I said the sinner's prayer millions of times. I believe that you were resurrected from the grave. I believe that you died on the cross of my sins. I confessed, I believe. All of these things, I've done, I checked off every box of I fasted, I prayed, I read the Bible, I studied, I know the Greek, mm-hmm. I know the Hebrew, I know it, I know it in this Aramaic, I know the Septuagint, I know the Pentateuch. Like, what do you want to like? I get it. Mm-hmm. I have studied it, I know it, the Talmud, like, and it's like, well, if God didn't love me then. He's like, there's nothing else I can do to make him love me. What more could I have done? And if he does love me, there's nothing I can do to make him unlove me. Mm. And so I have just found this freedom. And like, bro, I don't, people are like, well, what's your relationship with God? Man, you got to ask him. He, he sees what happened to me. He sees what happened to my people on this land for hundreds of years. And I feel like he's just sitting down chilling. He just chilling. And I have a little girl, man. My daughter is seven years old. And I'm telling you, if someone was kneeling on my daughter's neck and she couldn't breathe, and I had the ability to save her, I would have did it. My mom because I told my mom that my mom does not like the journey I'm on at all. Like she is <laughs> Get a she still in the Baptist church. Oh, she is anti, you know. She said, Well. When I told her that situation, I'm like, mama, my daughter named Grace. I said, how would you feel if somebody was kneeling on Grace in front of you in the hallway and you had the power to stop him and you just didn't? And she's like, oh, no, no, I would have fought. I would have protected my granddaughter. I love my grandbaby. I mm-hmm. said, yeah, I know. I said, well, how do you reconcile that with George Floyd? Like, And that hit exactly. me hard. Like, God, this man is calling for his mom. Like, I can't breathe. Like, God, mm-hmm. you don't hear him? Like, God, you don't hear a person made in your image calling that? My mama said, well... You have to remember that this same guy also watched his son die because he loved us so much. He watched his own son die. And I say, yeah, but mama, you got to contextualize it. His, mm-hmm. that was a part of his plan. Right. He planned it
1: out. His
0: son said, yes, I will do this. Yeah. Like this is, this is orchestrated. George Floyd did not wake up that morning and say, mm-hmm. you know what? I want somebody to kneel on my neck and I want to start a civil rights movement in 2020 in the middle of a global pandemic. No, like, and so God gets his son back in three days. George Floyd daughter is still missing her father.
1: Yeah. He's still gone. He's not coming so back,
0: it, man. He's not. And so it just made me, I began this journey of unraveling and like peeling back the layers on the stuff I was taught. Like, Hey, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And then the second one is love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's like, well, how are y'all able to own slaves? Like, How is George Whitefield able to own slaves and go preach sermons mm-hmm. and use the money from the slavery to run an orphanage in Jesus' name? And Jesus, you don't have a problem. You just let yeah, it happen. Yeah, he's okay with
1: you. that. Yeah. And it's
0: like, I was so, I'm like, dang, that's crazy. Now that I think about it, it's like, what I'm experiencing is not new. There's always been a separation between love God, love neighbors. And George Whitefield probably felt like he was okay because he knew so much theology and he loved God, but you don't love people. And and so the actual reading of that text in, this, in, the, in the Greek says that, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is just like the first, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I was in a church where loving God looked like quiet time in the morning, get up at five o'clock in the morning, get a devotional, read it, play some soft music, worship, fast, study uh, a new book, do a Beth Moore Devotional, dude. Mm-hmm. These these are things that, oh, yes, this is how you love God, and how you love people is take them to lunch. How you love people is bring them something, do something nice for them. When I think loving God is just loving people, mm-hmm. that's it. Love that's,
1: people. If you it, love people, yeah, you'll by
0: default love God, bro.
1: Yeah, the color of people's skin should have nothing to do with that. I mean, going back to what you were saying about what this church allegedly said the gospel was—it's supposedly this universal message for all of humanity. But then, why were they making such a big deal about people's color of their skin at this church? It was supposedly a universal gospel message. Where's the gospel then? You know, it's okay as long as you act like them, I guess. But no, it was still, still there beneath well, the surface. Yeah,
0: they got—they have churches in Brazil. They mm-hmm. have plants in Africa, like I think two of them, one of them is like a hospital that helps kids in Africa and all. And so it's almost like I'm able to do these things because it's so far away from me. And it's literally just a check that I'm writing. I can go Mm -hmm. visit once or twice a year. And it's like, Hey, I love all people because I check. I, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was so tough to, it was so tough to like, try to understand how God did not care about black issues. God only cared about what happened to white people. I remember one cuz we are the, the the church is very strict on only preach the gospel. Only we only mm-hmm. preach the gospel from stage. Man, one Sunday we got word that there was a shooting at a nightclub in Orlando called Pulse. Yeah, I remember and, that. And a lot of a lot of gay people died, you yeah. know man, the pastor ran back on, one of the pastors ran back on stage and said, hey guys, before we leave out, I just want to say, we know about the Pulse nightclub shooting. We have churches that we partner with in Orlando, and they said, this is not the opportunity for us to go out and bash people because of their lifestyle. This is an Mm -hmm. opportunity for us to go and love the gay community right now. They don't need our judgment. They need our love. They need our support. And I remember leaving church like, this is amazing. This is a place I'm glad to call home Mm -hmm. but when philando castile got shot by the police when alton sterling got shot and killed by the police when stephon clark got shot and killed by the police
1: yeah
0: crickets nothing absolutely nothing no hey we need to grieve with our black brothers nothing it's just like a Hey, guys, open up your Bibles tonight. We're going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. starting right here in the book of Mark. We're going to be talking about Jesus and how the guy got let down through the roof. Your friends can get you to Jesus. Their faith. Let's go. Like, let's, And it's like, yeah. bro. Business and would, as
1: usual. I would yeah. feel
0: so weird in church. I'm like, bro, how are y'all not heartbroken
1: Yeah, by no what one's happened? Saying anything. But Why do you it, think it, they didn't say anything? Do, they, do you think they were too afraid to get like political in air quotes? You know, those, oh, that's, that's getting into like Black Lives Matter, man. That's. You know we can't go there that's that's racist. Hey, let, you know what what let, why didn't they say anything? Let me tell you why they didn't say. It. One of the main reasons is the pastor who
0: like the lead pastor his brother is a sheriff in the surrounding county. I'm not going to speak out against my brother. I'm on my right. brother's side. You feel me? me? take the and side he, of the police and his brother and, and the pastor openly admits that him and his brother grew up extremely racist. Their dad raised them racist. Like Like, redneck pastor. you said, yeah, from, from, from Carolina. So it's like, he's like, Hey, being raised, I got my first whooping because I let a black boy drink from my Pepsi can. So he was like, this is ingrained in me, like to Mm. be this way. And you know, because of the gospel, now I'm all better at Jesus. (laughs) Fuck out of here. But he, um, (laughs) he's not going to speak out against it. Number one, because of his brother, I think number two, Boy, you would make 99.7% of your congregation so uncomfortable that they, A, either might stop coming or, B, might stop giving.
1: Yeah, and both are so important, especially
0: the money. <sighs> hey, yeah. I'm not going to speak on this because I will lose. Right. I will lose my support. And then the third reason why I think that uh, they don't say anything because they're cowards. You know that it's wrong, but you – you purposely, they're so insulated, bro. Like these men that are pastors live in a bubble. They they go to yeah. church, um, leave church, go back into their gated private community and they stay in very nice neighborhoods in, in, in oh, Jackson. Yeah. Gated, private, spacious,
1: yeah,
0: top white,
1: of the, yeah.
0: <laughs> top of the lot neighborhood. Yeah. And so it's like, we only come out to drop our kids off at these private schools. And yeah. to go to church. And so what What made me stay so long, because I felt like the ignorance was just like, oh, they don't know. And then I had to realize it was a willful blindness. Hmm. It's almost like at first it's like, let's just hypothetically say I'm the person waiting at the red light with a cup saying, give me some money, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And someone just drives right by me. I'm like, oh, they just drove by me because they didn't see me. I'll wait to, for them to come back yeah, next
1: week. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they didn't see me. But then I realized, no, 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 they see me, they look at me and they purposely act like they don't see me so that they can get the benefit of the doubt. Of, I didn't know. I didn't know.
1: Yeah, wow, I didn't see
0: Alton, it. Alton Sterling died and the cop. Wow. I had no, clue I had black no idea going through so much. There's a such thing as redlining and housing. Where black people don't get equitable loans on houses? Wow. I had no clue. Thank you for educating me on this. And mm-hmm. it's like, bro, y'all know how to go build a church in Brazil. Y'all know how to how to do all these other things. And I'm just supposed to magically believe when it comes to black plight and black issues that y'all are just, I don't know how. No, bro. No. <laughs> you know the Greek word for bullshit is scuba line. How the hell you know that? <laughs> but you don't know. But you don't know that people in your city are dying because of the color of their skin, and mm. you're the face of the city when it comes to religion. Everybody has their bumper stickers of this church on their cars. You can't go anywhere without seeing them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yet you're quiet. And now after my departure, they ran a full PR campaign, and they are now pro Black Lives Matter. They say Black Lives oh, really? Matter. Oh yeah. They, <laughs> oh. They invite Black pastors. Some of the Black pastors are my friends. They invite them to come preach. They invite Black singers to come sing. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, they have another Black person on staff now that is protected because there's an HR department now. So they have, in their minds, successfully swept me under the rug. And we
1: are, look, we are for all people. And it's, it's horrible it's disgusting bro it's a pretty cynical move on their part once you left and basically blew the whistle on the systemic racism within the organization they're like oh shit man we better clean this thing up here and uh, put on this face that yeah we we are integrated we are absolutely <laughs> totally 100 percent." yeah let's get they to, were you know
0: they were doing it before they were doing it before like it got popular man so like when I so when I left in last year in May, I was still technically on staff. I just wasn't going. Mm-hmm. All of the all of the elders came together and said, Yeah, we think that it's right that he takes some time off the hill from the racism that he's experienced here. So during this time, I had to still meet with them like once every week. Meet with them at a restaurant because I wasn't going to the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And all this time, they're they're telling me to come back, come back. We want you to come back. Man, the kids miss you. We miss you. The team needs you. And my my number one question every time is: It safe for me to come back yet? Mm-hmm. What trainings have y'all done in order to protect me from experiencing racism and vitriol? Well, we haven't done anything yet, but we're we're working on it. So I was like, I'm not coming back until it's safe. Right. Um, and so they they recommended people to for me to go to for counseling. I went to one of them. The pastor who they sent me to, he told me, don't ever go back there. Like it that is that is very toxic what happened to you.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say toxic
0: environment. And so the whole time, Clint, while this is happening, bro, mm. the entire time while I'm focusing on healing so I can come back, they already have in their minds A, either he's not coming back, or B, when he comes back, we gotta button this shit up so we're protected legally. Mm. I did not hear from my lead pastor at all for maybe three or four months while I was going away from the church. He didn't reach out not one time. Mm. After speaking with my lawyer, I now realize he wasn't reaching out because he had to remove himself from the situation to prevent any further legal um, damage. And so the whole time, though, in my mind, it's just Christians giving me space to heal so that I can come back and we can be a family. Um, One of my students, a black student, she received, she got a racist comment hurled at her. She's only 13 years old. She told me about it. I called man. the pastor and I went off. The youth pastor. I, man, one of my kids told me this. Uh, and it was like, oh man, we're so sorry this happened. Why does this keep happening? We're so sorry we're broken over this. Oh, this, that, and the third. And, yeah. I said, well, yeah, you need to call the parents because it's more than just one kid you need to call their parents and let them know that, hey, there was a racist comment directed towards your child tonight. And he said, you really think we need to call the parents? Yes. And he was like, Well, we don't think we need to involve the parents. She apologized to them. I'm like, This is an adult apologizing to a 13 year old. No, parents Mm -hmm. need to be involved. if it's my kid, I want to know. A week later, and I had just met with the lead pastor, and he had told me to take as much time as I need to heal because they just want me back and to be healthy. A week later, they told me that we're letting you go in March of 2020. And I said, Wow. They said, Yeah, we just don't think it's going to work. And so we're going to, I said, I knew y'all was going to do this. I said, I knew y'all were gonna do this. Hmm. Y'all were good. And they told me this in October of night 2019. And so I'm like, all right, fine. That, whatever. We don't need to talk no more. We don't need to meet anymore. Just keep whatever. Y'all gonna pay me until the end of March, whatever. We get to February 2020 and COVID hits. All the jobs and speaking engagements that I had lined up fell through.
1: Yeah, everything dried
0: up, didn't it? Everything, because everything shut down. There's no because yeah. I work with kids. There's no more working with kids. There's no more none of that. Yeah. And so I was like, dang, like, and so that th- now they've hired an HR person in this gap,
1: and she's mm-hmm.
0: a she's a minority, an, a Hispanic lady. Mm-hmm. She's reaching out to me. She's now my point of contact, and she says, Seven, I just want to let you know, everybody misses you. We're so sad. We're so sorry this happened. Um, and this is what we want to do. We want to pay for your. It, number one, are you okay?" Is your family okay? And I kept saying yes, yes, we're okay, we're okay. After a few weeks, I was like, No, we're not okay. I finally broke down. Like, we're not okay. The Mm. end of March is coming. I have no jobs coming up. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, my wife is immunocompromised. COVID is this. This is new COVID. Like, where there's no toilet. We didn't know anything
1: about it then. Yeah, Yeah. not
0: COVID now, where there's a possible vaccine and things are opening up. Yeah, freaking out. New COVID. Kobe just died. Like. What is happening in 2020 right now? This is what's (laughs) happening. And so I'm like, yeah, man, we we don't have health insurance. If y'all let us go in there, like, okay, I'm going to go back and talk to the pastor and see what we're coming with. So they say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pay you your salary all the way to the end of July. Mm. And we're going to pay for your health insurance all the way to the end of July for you, your family. And we're going to make a donation to your nonprofit because we thank you so much for what you've done for this church and for the kids here. The pastor says his daughter wouldn't know Jesus without you and your music. Right. So we want to make a donation to your nonprofit. And I told my wife, I was like, bro, you know what? They, they effed up big time, but this is the church. I say, this is them mm. trying to show repentance. Yeah,
1: and I trying said, you to make know what?
0: Right. Yeah, I said, you know what? I can see myself going back at some point in time. I felt like we were starting to heal. So I told the lady, I was like, man, that's beautiful. She calls me the next day. She says, hey, I got the check printed out for you. This is, a, imagine how fat that check is. Mm-hmm. Got the check printed out for you. She was like, um, well, we can meet at a UPS. We know you don't want to meet at the church and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and she said, "Um, oh, and I'm, I'm bringing a notary with me just so um, he can um, notarize the, the document I have you to sign. I'm like, all right. So I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, I got to sign this document, whatever, to get it changed. She's like, what? Well, have them send the document. I'm like, no, because it's probably just something saying that they're letting me keep the, because I have a laptop and a charger, a MacBook at Air. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they probably need something just to just say, hey, Wade is keeping the, the MacBook. I'm like, it's nothing big like that. She's like, just have them send it over. They send it over, bro. And the contract is laced with lies, it mm-hmm. is two pages. And it's, it says like, bro, it says the church never hurt you in any way, shape or form. It says that we did not embark. We did not like break the civil rights act of 1964. We didn't, we didn't break the discrimination act. You can never speak about this. And then, but we can share what happened to our elders, to our staff and to our members, but you can't speak about it. Um, and you have read this over with your attorney and you understand what you're signing. Mm-hmm. Like, i called what? the lady i called the HR lady. i said excuse me um what is this she's like oh this is just a standard document that we have <laughs> yeah, no, i don't think so i said this is not a standard document yeah. because i know people who've left the church before and they weren't forced to they weren't asked to sign this yeah and i'm like is there any i said so me and my wife said hey we're not comfortable signing it is there any way y'all can give us that check and we don't sign this mm. like because All in this time, Clint, I have not spoken anything publicly about them.
1: Right. You said nothing. I hadn't
0: made an album. I hadn't went on a podcast. I was just quietly suffering, me and my family, out of respect Mm -hmm. and love for them. And so it was like, she was like, "Um, no, people sign these all the time. In order to get the check, you have to sign this. I say, so you're asking me to lie in the name of Jesus. I say, because this thing has a lot of lies in it. It said that the church never hurt me. Not true. And I just sat with the lead pastor three or four months ago, and he told me that he knows that the church has hurt me. I said, but this is a blatant lie. And you're asking me ethically, as a man of God, my church is asking me to lie for money. I said, am I getting that correct? And she was like, it's not a lie. People sign these all the time without even reading
1: them. Well, baby, I read. Yeah, that, that makes it all right. <laughs> Don't read I it. I like read. That was your mistake, man. You shouldn't have read it. <laughs>
0: I, say, I say, that's I like your problem. And, so she's, and I say, well, it says at the bottom that I've read this over with my attorney and I understand what I'm signing. I say, you never what told me to get an attorney. I say, the church yeah. never made me, y'all never said the seven you need to get an attorney. And she was like, people sign these without attorneys all the time. I said, but it says that you I've need one with my attorney. So I, I would be get lying one. if I sign it. And you're asking me to lie in the name of Jesus. And she, her whole tone, mood, demeanor changed. She said, she became belligerent. She said, well, if you get your lawyer, just know we have our lawyers as well. Um, we have lawyers that will defend us, protect us. And
1: it's like, mm-hmm. I
0: was like, oh, oh, that's, that's how we're moving. I said, okay. That's
1: how. Yeah, this is how it's really going to go down. Yeah. I say, so what's the, the mask sort of slips off the whole thing. The facade say, comes address?
0: down. I brought. I took her back the laptop, the charger, the the credit card, and the uh, key card for me to get in the building. Mm-hmm. And I say we're good. I took a picture of it on her doorstep so they won't say that I kept it or I stole it. Screenshotted it and I said, Hey, did you get my? Did you get the package? She said, Yes, I got it. Got it block, 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 block them on every single social media. Don't want to see them. Don't want to talk about them. And literally sat and suffered in silence. I was literally in a state of shock because I could not believe what a church that is at the apex, the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of of Christianity, what they just tried to pull behind closed doors. And it's like, when I, when I finally began to speak out about it, bro, I found an entire Group of people that's like, oh yeah, my church did that. Oh yeah, my church had, yeah, this was sexual with me. And oh yeah, and then yeah. this time I, like, and I'm like, bro, churches give these contracts out all the time. And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is what they do. And they like, and it keeps their stuff hidden. It keeps their image pristine yeah. and, and silences the victim. I'm like,
1: okay. What? That's what's going on here. Yeah. They're covering their asses, basically. They lawyer it up, it sounds like, to try to cut you out. And not even lawyer up. Clint, they have lawyers that would probably take it for them
0: pro bono. Mm-hmm. Lawyers that that probably attend the church and be like, "I'll yeah. take this for you, no problem." Like I'm, mean, you ain't got to pay But this. because of how, like the the cult mindset is there, like it is. Uh, you French,
1: man. people yeah.
0: have ta- People have the the church's logo attacked. Kids have the church's logo tattooed on them
1: okay that's that's creepy as hell <laughs> you,
0: you feel me when i say kids oh, i don't mean like six to seven years i mean like 17 yeah. 18 year old they Teeny got G. the church the church's logo tattooed on them oh, like man. so if you're attacking them oh no 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 we and we have money they just spent yeah. 13 million dollars on a hunting
1: ranch just to that's go what, that's what a church needs you know a hunting ranch <laughs> so much for helping the poor in the community they do that, too, wrench.
0: but they just have such an yeah.
1: abundance of money. So much money. It's like so wow. it's like legally they, they're not concerned about little old me. Yeah, you're not gonna no. be able to fight them. You're the little guy, they just kicked you to the curb, basically. So in the end, you didn't get the money because you refused to sign this bogus contract. Yeah, I, I didn't want to lie, I didn't yeah. want
0: I, I felt weird lying in Jesus' <laughs> name to with my path. I felt like I was like going behind Jesus' back. It's almost like the best way I can describe it is like Peter, after he denies Jesus three times, running and running and bumping into Judas, and Judas mm. is like, "Hey man, why are you crying?" He's like, "Man, I just denied him three times." He's like, "You think you're bad? I just sold him out for thirty pieces of silver." And they're like, "Well, you want to split it?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's split the thirty. <laughs> legs. Let's go get a drink." Like, I hey. get 15. It's like, damn, that's weird as fuck. Like, no, like that's there's something wrong. With that picture. And so I decided after months and months of deliberation, I, I am, we are pursuing uh, a legal route. I'm not afraid of them legally. They just have to do what they got to do. And wow. so that's why, that's why I'm kind of speaking with gener- like, yeah. general,
1: like in generals
0: and not specifics with names yeah, and name, okay. names. Yeah. Yeah, and so You got to um, cover
1: yourself. That's for sure. Well, I know there was a bunch of stuff we were going to talk about, but did we got more into your story. This is really fascinating, man. I mean, there's the whole story of like the church hurt thing, which yeah. is unfortunately, like you said, it's all too common in churches around the world, not just in America. Yeah. But then you add the racism piece in there too. Now you got another whole level of shit show added to the story. You know, I mean, you got to deal with all the, well, it's the religious trauma syndrome, isn't it? It's and yes. financial impact how are you coping i'm thinking i mean we probably should wrap this up we could. we need to talk about the other stuff maybe in another podcast that, but i'm interested to hear how you're coping uh are you getting any sort of help counseling financially how are you guys doing um uh, man we we're getting it out the mud um mm-hmm. we're, we're really getting it out the mud man and um, um
0: one of my guys his name is kyle j howard on Twitter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's a racial trauma counselor. And I met him through Twitter, man. And that guy has been a uh, breath. And following pages like yours and being able to see your interactions with other people who went through the things I went through has been therapy for me. I think mm. Twitter Twitter is
1: free therapy, bro. Like, yeah, it's a lifeline for a lot of people. Bro, it man. It really is.
0: It's, it's the no people, that, people that I follow on there, Lauren, Lauren Chastain, I mean, there's just there's just like a, a list of people that I know when I Dr. the theme. Of, when I see their posts, they let me know that I'm not alone. They let me know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and to keep going. Um, and so we're we're right now we're, we're living off. We're living off of just taking everything one step at a time. And financially, we're, we both are working now. Me and My wife are both working. Things are definitely not like how it was. I work a lot longer hours for a lot less money now but it's like um i tell people if you want to support me man go download sunday morning when loser com. you can get my album that's the only place that i'm going to have my music for right mm-hmm. now for this for this album um when loser com, and you can download it and listen to it at midnight tonight and so that has been if you want to support that's how you can do it
1: okay very cool well Let's come back around maybe another time when you're um, when we got a little bit more time to talk about. There was a bunch of other stuff I had laid out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to talk that, about man. Black Lives Matter. I want to talk about what's going on in America as far as the racial divide, the political divide, what's happening in the presidential shit show right now with the election and everything else. So there's a bunch of other stuff. That I, want to, I want to hear your perspective, leave, bro. He won't see that won't leave. Well, he's you got not, a racist president who won't leave. He's not <laughs> planning on leaving either. So this yeah. is so we don't know what's crazy. gonna happen. So maybe we can come back around at some point when things hopefully settle down and yes, we sir. can talk about some of this other stuff. If you if you're interested, I would love to talk to you again. Absolutely Absolutely, I would love that, man.
0: I <laughs> hey, love in reverse let me pivot the drive up in that church was my biggest demise cover they dirt up with riches and lies then go build the church up from getting them ties. i'm sick of them guys they live in disguise deliver deliberate lies to live in disguise religious traditional time, pimping the image of god can't serve in the church if you openly gay transgender or lesbian no go away but the pastors are racist who shows no disgrace but since he's a pastor we showing him grace <laughs> y'all think y'all better than everybody else man who made y'all so right let me guess, cause you vote right pro life. Read the Bible your whole life. Make account so high, Facebook friends list so white. Right. Oh, right, you so nice to go fly way overseas to sharing your faith. I know that the world's in a terrible state. The stock market's down, a perilous place. The cops killing blacks at an incredible rate. So let's vote a white supremacist in to make America great. They you me out and call 12. Let me guess, I'm going to hell now. This for all that's been discriminated. In God's name, you was given hatred. Interpret scripture through a white man. A church church for all people ran by white men. This for all that's been discriminated. In God's name, you was given hatred. (laughs) This sounds so crazy, y'all ain't gonna believe it, but this was told to me as truth, I promise. So the lead pastor started off working with youth okay. The same KC Pastor now worked for him too okay. One of them told me they smirk and amused okay. I sat there in shock, uh-huh. uncertain confused what? He said a retreat, room full of boys uh-huh. Staying up late, making all of this noise uh-huh. Time to go shower, the pastor went first okay. The details are fuzzy so fast as the blur yep. But something like they was joking aloud. Uh-huh. The pastor came out and opened his towel what? Showed him his penis, they joked and they smiled what? I said you for real? He said yep with a smile uh-huh. It was a joke, joke. <laughs> that was my first sign This is a cult, this is they his cult me, out and called twelve I'm a church reject. Let me get song on the hell now. reject. This for all that's been discriminated. In God's name, you was given hatred. Interpret scripture through a white man. A church for all people ran by white men. Church reject. This for all that's been discriminated.
1: In God's
0: name, you was given hatred.